and eventually, like this song, like we do it a few times, and it starts to kind of get you in the zone, I, I and you're like, it's very right. positive. It is very positive. Good morning and welcome to Real World Podcast. Uh, my name's Tyler and I'm here with our hosts, uh, Scott and Bobby, who are tackling real world issues in a real world, uh, mending the gap between boomers and millennials. How's it going, Scott and Bobby? I'm going, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, me too. I'm excited for this podcast. Excited. Episode one is here. Episode one. We're, We've been talking about this for a couple months. It was, yeah, it was before Christmas. Yes, it was. I, I called mm-hmm. you on the way home from work one mm-hmm. day and I was just like, hey, what would you think about this podcast? And it's changed a little bit. It has, but I'm just like, I was really excited because it was at a time when I was kind of like stepping down mm. from from your previous thing, from yeah. my previous thing. Um, and I'm sure that's going to come up at some point sure. in, in time, but uh, yeah, very excited about this. Yeah. Well, I would love for us to just kind of get started with just talking a little bit about our life, things going on. So maybe mm-hmm. now's a great time to talk about your previous thing. Okay. Well, um, my previous thing was I volunteered um, doing some administrative and leadership roles for um, an organization called Hardy's International and uh, in support of Hardy's that were the fans of a show, When Calls the Heart. Mm. And I did some administrative, in an administrative capacity on managing Facebook and actually set up the nonprofit organization and everything. So um, I was quite involved and um, kind of co-created uh, the Hardy's Family Reunions, mm. which are events held up in Vancouver. And it was quite an exciting time. And uh, I just felt it was time for me to step down from that. And so when you called, this was just like a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, it was right around the same exact time. Right, That's it was. super cool. Mm-hmm. How yeah. about you? Um, things going on in my life. Uh, a couple things. One, uh, so I kind of mentioned in our promo episode, but I work for a church. Um, and this last week we had a huge event at our church and we had our highest attendance ever on a non-Easter weekend. And um, there was one one time in particular that stood out to me <laughs> this last weekend. I was outside by the grill where they were barbecuing and stuff and we had some jumpers and bounce houses and there was at one point about, I, I kid you not, like 30 to 40 kids all in this one jumper. And they were jumping up and down in unison, screeching the same nonsense at the same time. And it felt like they were creating some kind of uh, army. Mm. Like, it, it legit, like I legit got scared for a split second. Like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just like something out of a horror film. Like, what is happening right now? So, um, Children of the jumper. But, but yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so, it, but this last weekend was super cool. And then also, um, I'm going to be going on a cruise soon. And so. That's very exciting. I finally got my passport for you did the get first it? time in my it? life. Yeah, yeah, I have it now. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I thought that came in really fast for you. I got it in less than two weeks. Wow, that's w- awesome. Which even like the expedited is like it says two to three weeks. It's, mm-hmm. Oh, it oh so oh they've gotten better about it then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, online it said two to three weeks, but I got in about a week and a half. Yeah, mm-hmm. great. 
Well, uh, at this point in the show, a lot of time uh, going forward, we'd love to uh, answer any questions that you have. But this being our first episode, uh, I thought we'd jump right into uh, sort of our, our core conversation for today. Yeah. Uh, and uh, today uh, we wanted to talk uh, and, and ask you guys, um, there's obviously, uh, uh, I would say it's obvious to me, a divide between millennials and the baby boomer generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I would love to hear since you are a millennial and a boomer and, and we are going to try and, uh, mend the gap between these two generations on yeah. the show. If we could just start off by talking about that difference, where it comes from in your guys' opinions sure. and, uh, how we might find some common ground there. And I'll say age before beauty. Oh, age bro- so <laughs> that means you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. You think I'm pretty? <laughs> no. <laughs> But you're handsome. Mm. Um, okay, Boomer, you go first. <laughs> <laughs> but age before beauty means younger before beauty. Oh, and younger. Age, I would have said age is like older age before beauty. No. Is age before beauty means no. younger before. Yes. So you're calling yourself pretty. Yes. And me <laughs> young. Okay, yes. cool. Okay. <laughs> oh, well, I just That was just a reflection Rome, you know? of the differences yep. between yeah. a millennial See, and just, a boomer. We, we already interpret different <laughs> things different ways. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I would love to just kind of start with, and we're going to kind of go back and forth on this a little bit probably, but let's just start talking about some of the stereotypes or generalizations that we hear about each other's uh, generations. Uh, so like for me, one of the the baby boomer stereotypes is that baby boomers are bad with technology. Well, I think there's probably some truth to that, but I think that there's a, an eagerness to learn, but I think we learn differently because for us, we didn't have computers as children. So, you, you know, when you learn as a child, it, it just becomes intuitive. It's kind of like learning a second language. I mean, those that are bilingual, when they learn as a child, it's just so much um easier for them it's just secondhand same thing for you for computers i mean you know you learned from the time you were a child and i think that's that's a distinction although but i do think there is some truth to that sure uh are there any i mean i have more boomer stereotypes but i just don't want to rag on the boomers all the time and do you have any millennial stereotypes that you want to start with well i i think you know the one that i think of most is just more like um like not communicative, like, you know, you, you live in the social media world mm. and I like my social media as a boomer, but I don't think I live there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I like to have face to face conversations with people. I like, I, I get, I struggle a lot of times when I can't talk to a live person when I make mm. a phone call. Yeah. That's interesting. So like for me, when I, ever have like a tech problem with something, my first step, if I can't figure it out myself, is to do like an online chat, not a phone call. Right. I'd rather not talk to someone in person. And I would rather talk to somebody in person. Of course, if it's a tech issue, I'm going to call your dad. (laughs) Sure, sure. He knows a lot of things. (laughs) Or I would ask Brian if Brian's in the house. Yeah. My youngest son. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, another one um, that comes along with the boomers is that you guys – can be very like tribe minded. Wow. Tribe minded. I'm not necessarily sure that's a bad thing. Yeah. If it's used in a pot of positive it way, because we it, all yeah. talk about community at church, right? So mm-hmm. is that not the same thing? Do you not see it the same way? I think when I, I think about tribe minded, I think um, tribe minded to the exclusion of others. 
not. So Ooh. I I think maybe okay. uh, along the lines of like uh, maybe it's a you know one one example of one of those tribes might be political party where sure. it's like uh, boomers might be a little bit more tribe minded that it's like. Uh, Thinking along, uh, like whatever party your tribe lines. says, like mm-hmm. that's what you're gonna do. You, you, um, so for example, um, if you're a boomer, that's a Republican. You're just always gonna vote Republican no matter what, even if it's a person you don't necessarily like. Mm. Yeah, and I would say yeah, that's probably true to a certain extent, but I, I don't think for me personally that's the case. I mm. think I'm an individualist, and I'm gonna go with who I who I think is the best you know, person for the job, mm-hmm. regardless of party. But I would probably be more inclined to go in a direction sure. based upon a f- platform than, um, than not. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I would, I would say that I think you're right, that it's not, it's not inherently a bad thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's served being, you know, being very tribe minded, I think has a lot of context, which I think we'll talk about in a little bit, but sure. I think it's served baby the boomers purpose, well. Yeah. Um, in the past in their context yeah Mm do you have any other millennial ones well yeah i would say one would be like um maybe Mm -hmm. lack of loyalty yeah you know i think when in the workplace um you know as prior to um my retirement um i managed some human resources Mm -hmm. and and so hiring of course was one of the areas under um my area and so the demographics it was interesting in looking at it and just kind of the, the differences because the the millennials, even some of the Gen Xers, they their demands were different than the boomers. I mean, mm-hmm. boomers that were getting hired, um, you know, frankly, they were just thankful they had an opportunity to get a job with some good benefits and everything. Yeah. But younger people, no, they were more interested in what hours did they have to work. Yep. You know, <laughs> they you know, could they work, could they telecommute, could they kind of do things their own way? Sure. So that kind of feeds a little bit into what we were just talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of in the same direction. So, um, but I don't know that the decision, I think the decision was, as we're making those decisions as to like, whether it's a political choice or where we're going to go to work, I think for us as baby boomers, I mean, we saw how successful you could be by going to a place to work for 30 years and being able to retire. Now I will say that a lot of that doesn't exist anymore. When mm-hmm. you look at corporations, you know, the retirements are well, not the same as they used to be. That's what I mean. Yeah. So, so I get that. So I, I can see why perhaps millennials would not feel the loyalty because they, they don't trust that that organization is going to be around Mm-hmm. Um, nor, you know, I think they they want to be, I think that's part of it. I think part of it too, is they're just unsatisfied with the work. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say that yeah. you, you, if you don't have your own opportunities to do kind of what you want to do, like to, to expand into areas that you would are interested in, then yeah. So I can see more freelancers, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in the millennial generation. I think a lot to the millennials just want to have a job where they feel important and valuable. Like they're they're looking for a place where what they're doing is making a difference, um, and so it's they don't stick around to some of the more menial jobs. I understand that, and but I will tell you this: um, back from my 
college days back in the 70s, early 80s. Uh, Were you a partier in college? Pardon me? I said, were you a partier in college? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> I was already married when I was in college. I was not a partier. Um, never been a partier. Sorry. Bummer. <laughs> Just hoping to get some cool stories. <laughs> Sorry, I'm pretty boring. Um, but anyway, um, back in the day when I took all the management classes and everything, the number one objective when they would send out surveys to prospective em- employees or just even employees in general was that employees wanted to fill in on things. They needed, they wanted to know what was going on in the organization. And mm-hmm. I don't think necessarily organizations are good at doing that. Mm. Um, and so I think there's always a lot going on that others don't know about and somehow management holds on to it. And, you know, my style of management was a little bit different. You know, I was always, I mean, it was always important to me to share with mm. people and to try to keep them as informed as possible. Now, obviously, there's always things there's you have to keep under wraps. Absolutely. For sure. There's always yeah. confidentiality, but I don't understand why you kind of hold things close to the vest when it affects everybody. Mm-hmm. Like, you release that information as soon as you can mm-hmm. so people can make informed decisions about moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think, too, one of the things that I think about when I think about boomers is like a desire for control a little bit. Um, and so like an example of what I'm saying with that is like, I've never seen a millennial blow up at like a Coles at like a store man, like a, at a person working retail, but I've seen plenty of baby boomers like, Oh my gosh, let me speak to your manager. Like, and really like start ye- like yelling at these people that are working in retail. Um, and so I think a lot of that goes back to just like a desire to like be in control, a desire for like maybe even undeserved uh, respect from these people. Hmm. I might cut in on that. Sure. Uh, I'm not sure that it's control as much as it is. Uh, I, there's a there's a big difference. And Bobby, I think you were kind of talking about this a little bit already. Um, but I think that there's a big difference between millennials and boomers in how they value authority structure. I think that baby boomers have a much stronger appreciation and respect for authority structure. Uh, And so, you know, uh, in that type of a situation, the authority structure is the customer is more important than the employee. And and maybe they're looking for someone who's closer to their, you know, level of authority, level of authority and and level of maybe uh, status sounds meaner than why I mean I, I really think it's about authority whereas millennials have almost zero respect for authority structures well, <clears throat> you know speaking of Kohl's and I know this may be a little bit of yeah, a tangent I don't but mean it's to pick related. on Kohl's it could have been any no I love Kohl's so um <laughs> lots of Christmas stuff at Kohl's this year um but the thing that I struggle with just in general when you brought up retail is just the whole lack of customer service these days Mm. comparative to when I was growing up. So, and I think it does speak to the generations. It's like millennials, honestly, sometimes I just feel like they don't care. It's a job and it's just a means to an end. Maybe Mm. they're in college and this is their part-time job and they just really don't care. Mm. They would just rather be on their phone and you know, whatever it is that they're doing. And um, really not be concerned with the customer. Mm. And so 
And whereas I think the boomers, it's, it's a, it's a really yeah. different level of customer service. So if you're being helped by an older person, usually they're going to take extra care mm-hmm. to help you and be concerned about your situation. And I, I think where that kind of comes from is I think we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier with loyalty. Mm-hmm. And I think boomers are more likely to be loyal to corporations and uh, millennials are more likely to be loyal to like causes and vision of things. And so when you, when it comes to like millennials giving bad customer service, I would say it's probably because they don't, they haven't bought into the vision of that place that they're I working for. I would agree for. with that. That's probably true. But how often do millennials buy into the vision? I don't know. I mean, I guess, I mean, you have to put food on the table. So I'm sure, you know, you're taking a job. We've all done that, right? We've all taken a job because we need to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. But um, when it comes to, and this is a real issue between boomers and millennials, and that is just like long-term employment. We've kind of talked a little bit about it, but like back when I was growing up, like the expectation is that you would get a job and you would stay there until you retired, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, and that really isn't the case with millennials because of that. I think as vision changes and like retail has changed significantly over the past decade or two sure. with the internet. I mean, that has changed how we um, purchase Mm-hmm. right it's like and the whole brick and mortar i only shop online right and i do shop a lot online i mm-hmm. mean i do and then i was kind of complaining about how <laughs> last week and i thought i'm contributing to this problem i was complaining about how when i order from amazon or kohl's or qvc or wherever it's like i could order two of the same thing and it'll come in two separate boxes and i'm like gosh that is such a waste of trees and i'm thinking but i'm like recently just ordered four backpacks with the intent to keep one because I want to be able to choose the one that I want the, you know, that I like the best. And that's all though, because like, and you were going to send back the other three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 and as I think about it and I process that it, I'm a hypocrite with regard to Mm. the the whole thing. And so I need to be cognizant of that, but it kind of goes back to the brick and mortar just isn't what it used to be. And I can't just go shopping for all different kinds of backpacks that I'm, yeah. you know what I mean? They, they just don't exist. Yeah. And so you really have to shop online for a lot of things because so many of my favorite stores no longer exist. Mm-hmm. Well, so. it's funny that you mentioned that. Cause even as you were saying, I remember being a kid and you know, I, I mean, even not a kid, like this wasn't that long ago. I knew where a luggage store was. And I would go and, like, if I was, you know, looking for a particular kind of bag, like, I knew I could go to this luggage store, and a few years ago, it closed. Yes. And it's like, well, now I wouldn't even know where to look if I needed to find a particular kind of bag other than yeah. online. You know, I just a shout out to Sears. You know, Sears was such a big part of our family's life. When I was growing up, I bought got all my school clothes at Sears. And mm-hmm. when my boys were little, I used to get the, the tough skins at Sears because it was double knees and they would replace them if they wore out before they moved on to the next size. And trust me with this one next to me, Mr. Scott, he was tough on his knees and I would do that. Although most of the time he grew faster than I could replace them. But I just like yeah, what they stood behind like six it. Inches. <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of a tall, kind of a tall person. Yeah. <laughs> but do anyway, you, do you um do you have any last millennial uh, 
stereotypes you want to bring up? Well, the only thing that I would say is I know we're stereotyping and I know... Or generalizations. We're, or, we're, yes, yeah. it's all generalizations and we're all unique and we all hopefully think differently. Yeah, and we well, don't obviously none of these that. apply to all of those. Of these course. are just things right. that the other generations have seemed to have noticed in multiple and so they attribute it to all of them. Yeah. Absolutely. And so here's where, as we're talking about anything that we encourage you to um, send in your thoughts and comments or you know, ideas of what you would like us to talk about. Because, I mean, we are not the experts on any of this. It's just like real people talking about real issues. Yeah, we're just two normal people that mm-hmm. have opinions on things. I'm sure some would not call me normal, but that's okay. Probably. But thank you. Thank you for calling me normal. Well, uh, I would love to move into just hearing a little bit more of, like, uh, our contexts. So um, why don't you just kind of tell me, what was it like growing up in that 60s, 70s, 80s? Um, what, what, what's kind of like your growing up context? What was some of the themes of growing up in that age? Interesting question. So growing up in the 60s, you know, I grew up in the 60s, and I know that's when kind of like the hippies, you know, kind of came into existence and Woodstock, you know, towards the end of the decade and everything. But because I was just growing up, I was born in 61, so I was still a child, Mm -hmm. and I would say I was a pretty sheltered child. Mm. Um, So, you know, I don't know that my perspective was real broad, but for me growing up, you know, I think I just always wanted to get married, have children, um, but I wa- I watched how hard my mom worked for not a very big wage. And so I knew mm-hmm. I wanted to go to college and I wanted to, regardless of um, being married and having children, I wanted to have a career mm. where I would be able to take care of my kids on my salary should anything happen to the relationship. So that was very important to mm. me. What yeah. did your mom do? My mom, well, when I was very young, she cleaned houses and then she worked for a company called Page, Page Foam Bedding, and she used to sew cushions for trailers. Mm. And she worked hard mm-hmm. every day, mm. every day, you know, for a not large wage. What uh, what what class would you say you were like raised in? Like, um, mm. you know, I, I hate to use the term classes, but in terms of economic, yeah, like I would say lower middle. Lower middle. No, lower okay. middle. Yeah. Yeah. And you grew up on the East Coast. Grew up in uh, Western Pennsylvania in a town called Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, home of the Great Floods. Yep. Two yeah. of them. Three. Oh, they've Actually, had three. Actually, 1936, and 1977. Interesting. So you were alive for a couple I of them. I lived a couple of them. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I wanted to see if you caught that. Literally, my dad was born three days um, before the flood in 1936, and it's quite a harrowing story, which I'm not going to go into, but my grandmother couldn't, like, she was really concerned about it because the water was rising, and he was three days old, and she had no means or ways to get anywhere, so it was pretty harrowing for, for them, but fortunately, they survived. In 1977, um, yeah, we, my mom and I, actually, we had a wall of water going down, like, right down from the, the end of our street, um, there were, gosh, I forget how many dams broke. I think seven dams broke from yeah. and Johnstown's this just rainstorm. Valley surrounded by it them. is, yeah. it is, and uh, there were almost a hundred people that died, mm. and 
it, it, it was it was uh, it was amazing to kind of have to live through that. We had we couldn't we had to get water. The National Guard was on site at all time. You had wow. to be in at ten o'clock, and that lasted for weeks. We had to be given. They came around in trucks and delivered bottled water to everyone. Mm-hmm. And um, but it it was just yeah, it was an interesting experience to have to live through a natural disaster like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, what. I'm I'm trying to think about like some of the differences between us already, and I'm thinking about like, what was it like growing up? And were you guys very like neighborhood oriented? Like, did you know all your neighbors? Were um, you guys close with your local community? Yeah. So, <laughs> for my dad, it was all about sports, mm. and my brother Rick was um, pretty good baseball player, mm-hmm. and I played softball. My oldest brother Kurt played baseball for a short while, but he didn't really stick with it. That wasn't his thing. Um, but we lived at the ballpark. Mm. I mean, so much of my young life, mm-hmm. um, we lived at the ballpark. Uh, so as far as community goes, that was kind of our community. And that was, I would say, from like after age of nine. That's when I started playing softball. That's the last time we finally moved back to Pennsylvania. Now I live in California now. But um, seven times before I was nine years old, I moved, literally moved across the country back and forth between Pennsylvania and California. And a lot of reason for that was, um, my dad worked for the steel mills. He would get laid off. Then he'd need to find another job. We had relatives in Southern California. We'd move out here. My oldest brother couldn't stand being away from his grandparents and my dad couldn't handle him being so upset. So he would move back and he would get a job again at the steel mill. It was kind of like cyclical. Mm. Um, so, so seven times before you were nine. Seven times. So I can't tell you how many elementary schools that I've gone to. Mm. Um, and so it's kind of hard to build community. And yeah. so for me, when I one thing that I was sure of was when I grew up, my kids were not going to be moving around. Mm. That they were, and, and you know, I we're still moved. in the same house yeah. that, that you guys were all born in. Except for Jake. Except for Jake. Jake was but nine was, months old yeah, when we moved there. Barely. So it's the only house he ever, he only knows. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's funny to hear you say that. I I didn't know that story, uh, but mm. the same thing was true with my mom, except mm. it was between California and Indiana. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, before she was, I think it was before she was twelve, she moved back and forth between California and Indiana. I think it was five or six times. Wow, and you know, I'm telling you, what's crazy about that? Like, I could tell you as a child where we were going to stop at what restaurant in what city, driving <laughs> across the country. Drove a few too many times. Drove a few too many times. And two times uh, in those travels, there were serious accidents. I was in a train wreck in which somebody died. Oh, my In Kansas City, Missouri, our train, like I was sitting in the rightmost seat, and it, I still can remember going, whoa, because it fell to the right, and everybody fell on top of me, and my mom couldn't find me. So she's screaming for me. And um, fortunately, the kids weren't really hurt. We had a couple minor things, but my mom was kind of seriously hurt. She hurt her whole hip. was all, it was awful. Wow. And, um, but these wonderful people in Kansas City, Missouri, I remember there was this big old yellow house that took in, like there's, think about how many people are on a train. They just took in hundreds. And I just remember how crowded it was in their house, but they were just trying to help us until they could get it 
buses there to take us to the train station because there was stuff strewn everywhere. So they literally had big tables of hats and shoes and jackets and purses and things like that. My mom lost a shoe. She did actually find it at the train station, <laughs> which is funny. Um, but another time when we were driving across, we were hauling a U-Haul. And this is actually not that far out of um, where we lived. It was in, in Washington, uh, Pennsylvania, called Little Washington. And we were hauling a U-Haul. And this is how little I was. I was standing in the front seat between my parents. And I can still remember this. So I had to be, what, three? Yeah. Okay. So we're driving down and there's, and I'm, course i'm standing in the middle so i can see right in the rear view mirror and there's a big tractor trailer behind me and our car starts swerving down and it's a hill so there's a cliff to the right and our car starts swerving and there's this truck behind me well i panicked i screamed at a little age and i remember my mom having to kind of like like hit my mouth Mm -hmm. kind of like because i was almost in a panic mode and literally our u-haul overturned wow and the reason the cop, or I mean, not the cop, the um, the the uh, tractor trailer was really kind of protecting us. So he was swerving along with us to prevent other cars oh. from coming behind. Yet, so he was kind of protecting us. Yet, I was afraid that he was going to come on top of us. Right, yeah. right, and right. so, but anyway, yeah. so it overturned, and um, but we were all okay. A flood, a tractor trailer crash, a train wreck. Yeah. Like, seriously, you would think my dad would have learned from that, yeah, right? stop moving. <laughs> stop moving. Right? Come on, Gramps. Right? So, <laughs> Scott, uh, what about some of your context? Yeah, so growing up, Melinda was born in 90, um, so I don't really remember a time without really, like, internet. Uh, but, I mean, even with internet, it was dial-up at the beginning, and so it was a little bit of a wait there. But, um, yeah, I mean, mobile phones. I had a cell phone when I was in ninth grade social media. I remember when uh, MySpace and Facebook started taking over and, um, but similarly, like we grew up very much in a sports household. I played baseball from the time I was five till when I was 18. And so did my older brother and uh, my little brother played baseball for a while too. Um, and so we were always doing sports events, traveling around to like baseball tournaments. And, uh, so that was a big part. And we were actually very, um, into our neighborhood too. Like my two best friends growing up were, we lived in a cul-de-sac and we were just gr- big family friends with all the people that lived in our cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. And so I had two other guys that were uh, within two months of me uh, when it was Julian and Andy. And so uh, we would hang out all the time and uh, just goof around and we played baseball together. And I ended up getting my first job with Andy at the golf course. And, and so we were just very connected. And so uh, I think I probably had a little bit of a different growing up than I think other millennials have had mm-hmm. and I think it was influenced by my parents growing up and them like have an idea of what they cherished about their uh, growing up and what they wanted for us um, but yeah I mean very much grew up in like the communication now fast-paced uh, social media age has been has been different like I said I mean I order everything online I don't <laughs> I I think I've gone shopping to an actual store twice in the last five years and they were both within the last year <laughs> So, yeah, I see some differences and I see some similarities as well. And then I would just add to that. So the generation um, before me, so my in-laws, when I think about that, my father-in-law still lives in the same house that he's lived in for 57 years. Yeah. And, you know, most, unfortunately, it's really sad, but most of the people that lived around them have passed away. Mm. 
And but I remember when I was very young and first married, actually even before married, when I first met Dave and would go to their home, uh, my mother-in-law had a sign on her back door that said, um, "Backyard friends are best." And back in the day, it was like you really um, having that community with your neighbors was mm-hmm. vital. It was like very important, and I loved that. And so I wanted that for yeah, our well, children. I'm thinking now even of their house. Like there's not even any fences no, between that's properties. Correct. That's right. Like it's just houses in like a big open area and it's like just shared yard. Yes. uh, Yes. It's like a huge community where I don't know of any place in California where it's like that. Like everywhere here is fenced off and like, this is my property. This is your property. You stay there. I stay here. Right. And I see pros and cons with that, frankly. Um, But I love just the whole nature of, there was just this sense of community and wanting to be a part of your neighbor's lives. Like that was your community Mm -hmm. and you often went to the same church. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. that was actually very common then. And and where I grew up, I grew up in a small area within Johnstown called Moxham. And when you go back there, it's just crazy to me because you didn't, as a child, you don't recognize things. So I was a child when I lived there until I was 17, until I moved out uh, to a different area. And there's a church on every block, if not two churches on every block. And the last time I was there uh, last year, they're still there. And I wonder how in the world can they sustain? This is a very poor yeah. overall socioeconomic area. But if they're still area. there from that long ago, chances are they already have their buildings paid off. Well, for sure. Just but their costs are lower. But but some of these buildings mm-hmm. are grand. And, and I there's still a maintenance and upkeep that would be, sure. I would think, very challenging. Yeah. Well, and I think too, I mean, even growing up here um, with at least our, our neighbors that I talked about that we were friends with, like we had very much an open door policy. Like I, Julian and Andy would just come over and come in the front door. Like we didn't, but that's what I wanted. Like anyone knock or because it's kind of like our house is your house. Sure. Well, I just wanted to just say because of my moving around so much, I did not want that for my children. And I wanted that feel of what my in-laws had, you know, I Mm -hmm. just. I just thought, I don't know, I just, you know, the first time I met them, I thought, okay, this is what I want. This mm-hmm. is this is the kind of family that I want to have. And again, nobody's perfect. I'm not saying that because we, <laughs> yeah, we all have issues. Well, I didn't even think uh, about back to like, there was a while where Tyler would, like there was probably a year or two where it was practically like Tyler lived at your house too with me. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, hey, Tyler, just spend the night and he's having dinner with us. He ate all my fruit. And he would always eat all of my mom's fruit. Weekly. Yeah. yeah, so her her fruit purchasing went up a lot. So what did I bring him today? Fruit. Yep. She brought oranges when she came Two over Two amazing oranges just for me. You stay away from them, Scott. Uh, go ahead. You can have them. I'm more of like an apple and peach guy. So how understanding that we have different contexts, but also we have some, some similarities, how can we um, help find common ground between millennials and baby boomers? Yeah, it's a great question. I think I, I think it's a couple things. I think one, um, we need to look at each other's context and realize what we do have similar. Um, things like growing up, at least with us, maybe my case is different than other millennials, but like uh, very much about um, neighborhood and family. and. But also I think, actually, I'll, I'll say this. I think the we need to kind of ask the question of um, how do we want to work together of uh, how in your interactions with millennials and my interactions with baby boomers, how do you want to be approached? How do you want to have interactions? 
do you have a, a past of bad interactions or good interactions? Um, so let's just chat about that for a little okay. bit. Like, um, well, let me say this. So up, up, up until for about three years, we hosted young adults in our home, of which Scott was one of them and Tyler as well. Um, and that was such a wonderful time. And I really appreciated that opportunity to really get to know young adults and just, you know, everything that they were struggling with. Most of them were about to enter college or in college at the time. Um, but that d- definitely that age, it was 18 to 30, but I would say they were more early twenties. That was probably us, the yeah. age range. And what I appreciated was the, um, one of the things that we did in there were called life maps. Mm-hmm. And with the life maps, what we did was kind of identify our kind of like highs and lows and really mm-hmm. of our life from the time we, we could remember up until the current time. And that was really to kind of draw us to each other. And I really think that being that vulnerable with each other makes a big difference. And I think my relationship with everybody that was in that young adults group is pretty strong still for, Mm. for those that I still am in contact with. And so for me to make this full circle, it's like, you really, it's kind of like anything else, you know, whether it used to be maybe race, um, or gender, whatever, um, now maybe it's this and it's like fear of the unknown, like, you know, like have a conversation. And, and that's the challenge I see here because mm-hmm. I don't know that millennials mm-hmm. want to have a conversation, but I know like if you sit down and have a conversation, you can find what you have in common. And, and I do think that's where you want to draw from. Yeah. And I would say, I think millennials do want to have the conversation. I think for the most part, millennials feel left out of the conversation. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Now, why, why do you say they feel left out of the conversation? It, I mean, I think about all the times I've been told like, oh, you're still young or you just don't know or you'll understand when you're older or uh, there, there's so many different things that just seem to indicate to the younger generation from the older generation that what we have to th- say and think is more important and better than what you have to say and think. Okay. And and maybe there are people like that. Uh, you know, I think I learned more from the young adults than I ever learned from people my own age because I felt like, um, and let's just face it, you know, over the last 20 years or so, most of the people that I hung out were Christians. And so a lot of the people that I hung out with didn't necessarily have my same viewpoint. Um, you know, I think when you're, when you grew up in the 60s, 70s, as far as the church goes, th- things were s- so much more legalistic mm. then and um, and again, depending on your denomination, um, you know, like say in Catholicism, you know, going to church out of duty versus really wanting to be there to worship the Lord. Mm-hmm. Did you really know what you're doing when you're sitting in there? And, and I say that firsthand because I converted to Catholicism when I was 18 years old to marry Dave because I wanted, remember I said before, I wanted what they had yeah. mm-hmm. and his family was very faithful. My family wasn't my, the, the women on our family went to church and the men were CEOs Christmas, Easter only. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted what his family had. So we did that for a little while. And then we realized we weren't getting fed from the Catholic church and we left. And again, this isn't to, dismiss the Catholic church at all. Yeah. They've done Uh, a lot of good things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have many relatives and friends that are still Catholic and, um, just love them. And, and I have no doubt 
that they will be with the Lord one day. There is no question in my mind. But there is a legalism there, and not just, again, within that church. I've seen it in other evangelical churches that I belong to. So one of the things that I appreciate about our current church and our previous church is being real. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to share um, maybe situations that you're going through, maybe sin that you've struggled with, struggled yeah. with that it's okay because... In community and by talking over with other people, um, they can help you through this. They can pray for you. They can, you know, lead you maybe in a different direction mm-hmm. or give you some tools and wisdom on how to deal with that situation. Yeah, I think if I were to summarize, like, the main quality I would like to see in more baby boomers um, would be humility. Like when they approach you, yeah. you mean? like in my interactions with them. Yeah. Um, uh, I know some some people uh, that are in the baby boomer, boomer generation that have tremendous knowledge, tremendous skill, tremendous, you name it. Uh, they're just all around like excellent people and uh, intelligent and all these things. And some of them are humble and some of them aren't. And the ones that are humble, I eat up everything they have to say. Like I want to be doing, I want to be, I want to run with them. I want to follow them. I want to contribute to whatever they're contributing to because I trust them and I, I see that their humility and things and the ones that are not humble, um, it's like, forget you. Like, I don't care what you have to say. Like you're so full of yourself. Like, and so for me, the, the easiest way to, to really um, bridge that gap would be like humility. But I think the same thing from my side of things sure. is it's it really kind of works both ways because I think sometimes younger people they don't really want anything to do with older people. It's kind of like, eh, you're old, you know, you, you have no clue what's going on. Yeah, the whole okay I, boomer mentality. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Because I I remember what it was like when I was younger because I did think that way. And it, and here's here's a tidbit for you. When you get older to me, you don't change who you are, how you think. Like, I feel like I think the same way I did when I was 20. Yeah. Even though when you're 20, like, I'm sitting here, you know, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm 20 and my in-laws are celebrating their 25th wedding anniversary. And I'm thinking, man, that's old. They were in their 40s. Okay, I'm almost 60. Mm-hmm. And I'm just saying, I don't think differently than I did when I was 20. So I think the humility is really important. I think we all have to humble ourselves and um, just kind of get off of our high horse. And mm-hmm. I know I've been there so many times, and sometimes I need to be swatted off of that. Yeah. And and um, but I I think it's the same thing for us. Yeah. Well, I think it's. I mean, it's the. I think it's Romans twelve, and it's just like think about yourself less. Yes. Than than yes. others, like to stop elevating yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And consider our consider others greater than yourself. Yeah. Well, I think uh, we've got to wrap up here. We're out of time. Um, uh, but I, I want to, uh, I've heard something and I want to put words in your mouth. So I'm going to suggest something and then I'd love to hear you guys respond sure. to it. It sounds to me like uh, what each of you are saying is uh, to not treat uh, for millennials to not treat baby boomers and baby boomers to not treat millennials as others. Like, that's them over there. Yeah. They're other than me. We have to stop thinking of it in generational gaps and, like, us as humanity, like, as a culture, as a society. Like, how do we 
put to forward our best leg and, and help um, improve society and uh, just just build each other up rather than separate. It's kind of like from Lost, live together, die alone. <laughs> For all you Lost fans out there, there's at least three of you. Um, <laughs> this isn't one of them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, I think we have to uh, kind of put aside our differences and, and realize that we're all in this together and we're just in different stages of life. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I don't know that I can really improve upon that. Um, I, I do think we have to have mutual respect for each other. And regardless of age, gender, race, whatever, you know, the um, whatever it is, it's like, you know, I mean, I think we've come a long way, but there's still so much more we need to do so mm. much further we need to go in treating each other respectfully. And also, I would like to say this. It's, you know, one situation or even two, um, everybody has bad days. Everybody, you know, don't presume that you know who this person is from a situation and be willing to kind of like overlook it and forgive. And it's like, okay, come together and try to um, meet the common good. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like sometimes... Life happens, yeah. and we never know what somebody else is walking through that day. So don't presume, like, say, if it's a millennial, that I presume that, oh, they're acting in a way that we've talked about. Snowflakey. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly, that that's who they are. Right. Because that's unfair. Right. You know? Yeah. So... Well, thank you guys so much uh, for listening. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode, but uh, we'd love to have you respond uh, to some of the things that that Scott and Bobby have brought up. Uh, And so you can send us an email at hello at realworldpodcast.com. You should also give us a follow on Twitter at uh, therealworldpod. Uh, and, uh, we'd love to, we'd love to hear from you and, uh, we look forward to, uh, the next episode. Love you guys.